0: very much just was about rock and roll and, you know, still am, you know what I mean? It's like, that's my, my children right there. You know, it's like, I love to nurture and grow, watch them thrive. God damn it. ADHD. What were we talking about?
1: And we're doing something a little bit different um, For the next few episodes Uh, We've got the mighty Freiberger back with us And uh, He recently launched his uh, Own independent record label Satanic Royalty Records And we're going to be featuring a number of the bands On the podcast But we just wanted to get uh, The Lord himself on here to talk about Putting the label together So welcome back
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's such a blast. Uh, last time we got to talk with you with the band,
1: it was good. I had a good time. A lot of uh, my friends were saying how much they enjoyed that episode.
0: Awesome. Glad that that other people enjoyed it as much as we did.
1: Yeah. So, when when did you know that you wanted to start a record label? You know, if you, you, obviously, if you listened to the last episode with with uh, with Freiberger, you would know that he's. Long time uh, metal fan, you know, just very much about the community, too. So, like, when did you know you wanted to do something like this?
0: Again, this this was uh, something that had always kind of been in the back of my mind. It was something that I always uh, wanted to do, but I didn't want to really do it small time. So I kind of just been holding off on it. You know, it wasn't really exactly something I was like, you know, this is the fucking year I'm going to do it. Um, it just all happened with the, the the hardship we had putting out our our record when we were trying to get it uh, put out on a the by hour I mean Death Cave when we were trying to put out that first record we had because uh, it happened right as the fucking pandemic happened so uh, it was almost impossible to try to find a, a label that you know would want to bring on a brand new band you know as as uh, we, we enter question marks uh so we ended up putting out ourselves, and i just used the name satanic royalty which was the name of a uh, vinyl dj night i used to do because i already had like a little logo drawn up for it i put it on the first uh the cassette we put out for the ep and then i also ended up using it for the for our full length the smoky mountain and so that, you know, that was just, you know, that was just a, a ployed label, you know? And it wasn't even like, like I was planning at that point on making that an actual record label, you know what I mean? It was kind of just like a stepping stone to, you know, to towards an actual label or whatever. But uh, then the pandemic happened and, you know, I went from, you know, managing a really busy bar slash kind of venue place and uh, being a busy musician as well to, you uh, Having a fuckload of free time. And like everyone else, I got super de duper depressed mm-hmm. for a while. And, you know, during that time, I wasn't doing too much creative. I, I was trying to just like stay like mentally sane, you know, I, you know I, I couldn't really pick up a guitar and be like, oh, I'm fucking, I'm going to write an album. And yeah, I'm like, it's right now. Plus, <laughs> those people who were able to do that during quarantine, I just, I'm emotionally fragile and sensitive and such. But so, it's like you know, I did what I had to, you know, I, I worked out a lot. I, you know, did, you know, like a lot of gaming playing World of Warcraft, uh, classic, it, you know, came out in phases. So that's pretty cool to go through that. I guess it's cool. It's cool to spend like 14 hours a day playing video games. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, and then during that time, Sandwriter, who is an amazing band they've been around forever that kind of like hit me up because i you know i just i'm very involved with like as you were mentioning with the community around the scene and like kind of like especially through america and stuff but uh you know so they hit me up asking about like a, a label to put out their stuff that they have upcoming and i was like fuck man that sucks like we're just going through the same thing you know and then uh Eris, who we used to share a jam space with, had also asked us, you know, like, we have a full new album out, you know, Scott Evans from Kowloon Wild City just re- recorded it for them, and it's amazing, and so it's, it was just like, god damn it, like, no, I don't know anyone, and then fucking Old Iron hit me up saying they have, like, three releases ready to come out, and I'm just like, alright, I'm gonna, like, put my feelers out there, so I kind of made a post on Facebook, Kind of asking about investors and stuff because I, I, you know, I'm not like a college learned human or something like that. I very much just was about rock and roll and, you know, still am, you know what I mean? It's like, that's my my children right there, you know? It's like, I love to nurture and grow, watch them thrive. I, you know, reached out that way and kind of was able to find, you know, but uh, several people, you know, like way more than I ended up settling with, but it was, all, you know, all new stuff to me. Like I had to learn how to put together like a pro forma and like, you know, get all these numbers crunched. Uh, like I'm really lucky to to have like a lot of people in my life to help me out. Cause I couldn't have done this at all without people who, who knew what they were doing, helping me out and kind of like pointing me in the right directions and setting me up with the right people. And then I picked the brains of a lot of, uh, People who already own record labels, like, uh, you know, Steve from STB Records over on the East Coast, uh, his buddy, and kind of talked to him about, you know, and I wanted to know not just the goods, but the bads as well, you know, and uh, and Aaron Turner was another one who helped drastically, and uh, Aaron Turner is from uh, Hydrahead Records, which oh, yeah. uh, ended up going under, and then also Siege Records, which is his current kind of like a uh, more uh, smaller run label uh that he does uh, I, I think with his wife faith i'm not sure if they do it together or if it's just him but uh
1: i think they do it together that sounds that's, correct
0: that's what i thought but i wasn't quite sure on that uh she's amazing too god i, I love mammoth so much uh if you listeners out there haven't heard you should go check it out but uh he was able to tell me so much and like what failed and like what's kind of worked over the years and uh is able to give me like you know a lot of numbers and other stuff that i just don't know didn't know you know it's like i wanted to do this but i wanted if i was going to do it i wanted to do it right you know i wanted to be able to like put out several albums i wanted to be able to as well as uh do the clothing line side of things but like i definitely wanted to uh be able to do this uh with global distribution too like not just you know but in our records locally and hitting up the record stores here and you know on tour doing distro that way but it's like i I wanted to be able to do it a little bit bigger and that requires a little bit of money to be able to make that happen you know because you got to buy more records you got to have a a source Mm -hmm. so i was able to make that all come together you know it, it took about eight months or something it was a lot of work but it was like really cool when i was able to focus all the time i had um, on something really productive. And then once it became like that, it was kind of like, I just switched the like, grinding and leveling up and video games to like IRL grinding and leveling up, uh, figuring <laughs> out the record label. And uh, then I also wanted it to be uh, a clothing line as well, just because I love fucking designing merch, man. It's so fun. Like I love designing like everything. If you look around my office is like, You know, there isn't a square inch in here that doesn't have my stamp on it. You know, I like to make everything I have look the way I like it to look. And that includes, you know, like a lot of it has to do with like tattoo art and stuff, uh, which I'm really obsessed with. And that's kind of what I'm one of the things I'm really able to do with uh, the clothing side is be able to pay each of these artists I fucking love. And I love their artwork and style to make all these designs and have love each of too, them yeah. represented in uh, different ways, you know. And also be able to just showcase the artists, you know. Be able to get the artists more clients that way because uh, it'll be showcasing their names and such. And I'll I have links and stuff to their you know profiles and stuff like that, just to make it easy to connect everyone. Uh, but yeah, it's just like there's going to be more and more and more designs keep coming out. It's super fun to do i got skateboards too i just saw the rough on uh oh nice it's pretty cool to see those i mean again i'm just trying to grow this thing up you know I, eventually i'd like to have a podcast as well and I, i'll want to be doing festivals and stuff like that definitely like you know camping style festivals kind of like fire in the woods or whatever with the northwest uh or fire in the mountains fire in the woods that'd be a problem It's called Forest Fire Festival. Fuck. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, this is what I plan to do forever. You know, it's been, you know, like 23, 24 years of just constantly being a part of the scene, growing it, booking, promoting, like everything that comes with the underbelly of what it takes to, you know, run a music scene. And so it's just really cool to be able to... uh, I guess like just be able to support the the musicians that i i really love you know like seattle has put out so many good bands and we haven't quite had the uh proper representation i feel like before for there's been amazing stuff from seattle but it's like you know like 20 bucks spin or other bands or labels pick pick them up you know what i mean it's like there's mm-hmm. been no Seattle is super heavy underground, you know? Portland has, like, four. Fucking, like, (laughs) Seattle doesn't have any, you know? So it's it's, it's been, like, a big bummer to me, because there's been so much music. There's been so many artists who have just struggled so hard with trying to get people to put the trust in them, you know? And it's, like, it's really hard when you're trying to shop out what you represent to someone who isn't part of the scene locally and seeing, like, all the hard work that bands do and, you know, it's like in the, the bands that I'm starting with are the ones that are incredibly hard workers that I love and respect, you know? And it's like, I'm not gonna light candles under these artists' ass. That's what, you know, the, hopefully the, the clothing side will be the the steady revenue to where I'm not having to shake bands for things, you know? It's like, I chose the bands because they're incredibly hard workers. Like, I, I just wanna be able to put out the records the way they wanna put them out and be able to put them out on a bigger scale, you know? It's like, have them in record stores in Europe, you know what I mean? It's like. Bands like me, who are an amazing, like kind of atmospheric black metal, are I assume going to do way better in Europe than like through America, just because people yeah, I love that shit. There. So it's like to be able to, and they're they're younger, you know, to be able to give a band that that has so much talent, you know, just be able to put the trust in them. I, I it's just such a cool feeling, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And it's a a really wonderful example of just DIY and doing it your own and giving those those that need the boost, you know. Totally.
0: Yeah. It's like as I grow this thing throughout the years, hopefully, you know, it's like it's just going to benefit the community and those around me more. You know, it's like I'm not trying to become a rich person, you know, it's like I'm a really, really hard worker and I kind of have everything I kind of need in life i just don't have the financial means to, to to help others but now i do and so that's the plan is to continue just giving her you know
1: and uh can you just talk briefly about the starting roster of the of the label and uh these will i think we'll be talking to most of these bands
0: yeah so we got as i mentioned is me which uh yeah they're the 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 band i've known the least amount of time but they, they're really hard workers. They already have an entire second album that uh, they have ready to record, which we'll be recording with Billy Anderson in Portland here in the summer. And then we've got Eris, as I mentioned earlier, um, and they have a new album, Distant Fires, which will be coming out later on in the year. Um, we have Old Iron, uh, which is an incredible doom sludge band Incredible man, man! The last album, Lucas, is just like blew my mind. That on more people's end of the year list or whatever. I just they need a better PR. yeah <laughs> That's where you come hey, in. Yeah, I got a good team. And uh, so, and then we got Jesse, who's in that band. He sings and plays guitar, plays bass, and Sandwriter. We also got that band, Sandwriter, who used to be a Kimbo kind of like. Uh, just a long-term Seattle legacy band, uh, amazing people. I love them to death. They have a new album coming out, uh, my own band, Death Cave, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, and then Dark Meditation, which is a, uh, a newer band, um, but it's full of people who have been part of the scene for a really long time and really hardworking musicians that I really love and respect kind of playing old school heavy metal with like a kind of like dark and gothier atmosphere and vocals uh, it's really cool it's, it's kind of hard to explain it's like you know for fans of sisters of mercy and merciful fate sisters of merciful fate you know what i mean <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, i would like to see that mashup
0: it, it, it's cool man they're really really cool they have a demo out now and uh i will be recording with matt bayless here in seattle uh really looking forward to the full length we got we're going to be recording with them soon they had a drum machine and you know recorded it themselves so i'm really looking forward to what we can uh come up with for that but yeah that's my roster pretty hyped on it all man it's uh i'd love to bring on more but that's where i gotta start right now and as we grow it'll just keep growing you know it's like i for the web store too i'm putting up uh bands from around seattle that uh don't have labels and putting their music up on the web store just to make it easier to get their music out as well uh trying to grow this shit
1: awesome i wish you the best of luck i think it's amazing and i'm looking forward to talking to all of the bands um not sure not sure who will be first up but uh whoever it is will be on shortly
0: Awesome. And uh, don't forget to check out our website at www.SatanicRoyaltyRecords.com. That's uh, Satanic with a K. S-A-T-A-N-I-K.
1: like, as if on cue, here we go. Here's the real star of the show. Balrog the, the Corgi just popped in.
0: Yeah, I can't take him anywhere. No one wants to hang out with me. On a with Paul and I can't blame him. I just want to hang out with Ball Rug all the time. He, he's like a, a pillow that walks and he loves cuddling.
1: I, <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? How could you d- say no to that face?
0: Exactly. Those fluffy ears. Ah, oh, he's so <laughs> An amazing. Dog. Awesome. He just had a birthday like two weeks ago. Yes, uh... Big one three lucky number 13.
1: And still hauling ass.
0: Life left in him. He, you know, even when I was a poor kid, you know, fucking living out of the naked dumpster, I, and he was eating that good food. You know what I mean? Like, the things your dogs eat, you know, is 100% represents their health. And you know, feed them garbage and they tend to live on healthy lives. And dogs really good food and they end up living pretty good with healthy lives. You know, and make sure they get exercise and such. So. Uh, don't you forget uh, out there to make sure you feed your dogs good food and give them plenty of exercise.
1: <laughs> that's your fry burger tip of the day.
0: Exactly. Uh, drink a lot of water. Uh, uh. Don't eat before you go to bed. Uh, what else? I think mean, that's it. Don't forget to smoke weed and eat now.
1: Welcome, fanatics. This is the latest entry in the Diary of Doom. I'm your Cypher, Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of Doom Metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, uh, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and you can subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you have a question uh, or want to pitch me something or any other such nonsense, you can fire off an email to diary of doom, 1968 at gmail.com. And uh, as previously stated, doing a little um, showcase here for satanic royalty records run by the very cool, very funny, very entertaining Mr. Freiburger. Uh, and uh, the first band from the roster that we're featuring uh, for the next string of episodes is Sandrider, um also based out of seattle just like death cave not portland like i <laughs> <laughs> um but uh thanks for coming on the show i was thanks not i was not familiar with you until now and uh now i'm i'm happy that i am because these guys make some pretty killer tunes
2: you could be honest thank you you could say, <laughs> say. It's okay we know Freiburger paid you to do this it's fine it's okay
1: I can assure you he definitely does not have the budget to pay off uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the
2: equivalent of a bot. <laughs> Can't afford these high profile podcasts yet. No, okay, I understand, All right. <laughs>
1: um and uh but uh Sandrider is John, Jesse and Nat and uh we got John on guitar, Jesse on bass and Nat on drums and Jesse also uh
2: singing. Sorry.
3: <laughs> it's mostly John. It's mostly John. I, honestly, John. I, I punctuate
2: Yeah, he's the oats to my hall. That's
0: an epic duo. Yeah, I know.
1: So do all of you guys uh come from like a musical background? Um did you have early experiences with music? Uh or was it something you picked up later on?
3: Well, I was a total band dork, so yeah, I was
2: playing music from a pretty early age and then decided to try to play cooler music <laughs> <laughs> yeah my uh, my dad's a music teacher has been ever since i was a kid so pretty surrounded by music my whole upbringing constantly you know playing records of like 60s bands and classical composers and like weird jazz the house was full filled with music the whole time he he used to take me to rock concerts when i showed an insert or an interest in that um and yeah ready access to instruments and um it was about the time that i discovered nirvana and like punk rock that sort of like turned on the light bulb like oh i can do that like i don't need to like sit in my room like a troll for months practicing solos to even like emerge and like try and start a band like the first time i heard nirvana i was like oh that's way simpler but still really good and then i think it was when i heard the germs i was like oh are you fucking kidding me yeah i'm sorry <laughs> <That's>, it's easy
1: <laughs> that's awesome not to discredit the germs
2: no the germs are great yeah. but come on dude like like They're when like you're so learning boxes. how to play guitar like you're like, str- like i got i've got a bar chord i can do a bar chord and then the first germ song i heard was forming and that's three chords And it like sucks, but it doesn't suck. (laughs) It's it's pretty empowering. It's like, Oh, cool. There, there are literally no barriers to me doing this now. I just have to find some people to do it with right on people like (laughs) Nat.
4: Yeah. Started in high school. I was the same. I mean, I I didn't come from a musical house, um, but I discovered punk rock and Nirvana and bands like that right around 12, 13. Um, I used bar mitzvah money to buy my first drum set and playing along to MTV things like that, and figuring things out as I went. So, now did have did
1: all three of you? Are, you're all from the Seattle area.
2: Yeah, pretty much.
3: Yeah, sort of. I, I moved here <laughs> early in life, but yeah.
2: Okay,
1: so it, it it's like it's just it's probably unescapable to, or inescapable then that like you know sort of the um i wouldn't i don't want to call it a shadow cuz that makes it sound negative but just like sort of the the reach of nirvana is sort of you can't get away from it when you're in that neck of the woods right and just sort of like the whole grunge sound cuz it's like cuz uh most people that i talk to on the east coast um a lot of it is you know black flag and uh you know minor threat uh the bad brains you know sort of the, that classic era but mm-hmm. you know once you get over to the other side and probably just because I haven't talked to a ton of West coast bands, you know, that's kind of interesting how it's Nirvana is the band.
3: Well, there actually was kind of a backlash against Nirvana too, as well in this region. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was, they were just embraced. There were also people, they became the, the popular culture that people were reacting against as well. So it's, it's interesting. Like um, I feel like, for for a long time, pe- bands from Seattle did not want to be compared to Nirvana. Absolutely, did not want that. And I feel like it's only just recently, in the last maybe five years, come back around that people are like, "Yeah, Nirvana was awesome." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've always liked them, but it was yeah, it's def they definitely cast a long shadow.
2: Yeah, and there's a big uh, through line in the Pacific Northwest of really heavy bands. There's you know nirvana was influenced by a lot of bands from around here who were super heavy and super hard and that continued while they were playing and it continued after they were playing so uh nirvana is the one that like the whole world knows about but if you grew up here going to shows and seeing music it's it's been consistent the whole time
1: yeah well, and th- th- i'm no stranger to those bands and i i like the sound of those bands and uh it's you know, like when you are diving into the backlog of it, you know, and you're like, "Oh man, Nirvana's like, you know, the the pinnacle of grunge." And then someone's like, "Well, do you know who like the Melvins are?" And you're like, "What's that?" You know, and then all of a sudden, like, "Okay, so there was a little bit more to it than just, you know, Nirvana just happened to be there at the right time in the right place and they blew the fuck up." But I don't really think the Big Four sound like similar. You know, they all have a very unique sound to them. Like, I'd kind of be like, I wouldn't really call Alice and Chains a grunge band.
2: (laughs) No, they were like the, they were the big popular band when grunge was starting, right? And then when grunge became capital G grunge, where it was like being featured in magazines and shit, then Alice and Chains kind of got lumped in with it. But um, yeah, like all the, a bunch of the real famous bands, like, you know, Soundgarden and uh, Nirvana and Pearl Jam, they were all like opening up for Allison Chains. Like Allison Chains was like the big local draw mm-hmm. at the time. I think they were probably inevitably going to be famous regardless of the scene.
1: I agree. Do you guys have like specific albums that you credit to kind of like change your trajectory towards heavy music?
3: Nirvana Bleach blew my mind the first time I heard it. I mean, I know it's sort of the cliche thing to say, but like that was very pivotal. The age I was at, I was about, I think I was like sixteen, and I heard it on a trip to Seattle. So I was already like all jazzed about Seattle. I was living in Eastern Washington and just sort of being exposed to that. It was, at the time was kind of like, there was like, it was just sort of wild in a way that I hadn't really been exposed to at that point. I also was pretty sheltered from like a lot of sort of underground music at that time in my life. But like, yeah, it really like affected me a lot. Like there's something real primal about it.
2: Yeah, I think for me, the, the one that, the one band or maybe record it was it was a band because they were local and they'd play a lot that like really sort of like got me looking at heavy heavier music was botch prior to botch i was very much into like punk and hardcore punk and i liked fast music and aggressive like super fast aggressive like you know two minute songs at the most um and that was just like what i craved and then you'd get a lot of crossover of like punk and hardcore and other genres that shows back then. And you know, just being a teenager and having bots show up at the punk show and play at first, I was like, Ugh, weird. <laughs> and then, uh, and, but they'd play so much that after a while um, started to get, you know, know what to expect. Um, and then, you know, by the time like American nervoso came out, I was fully paying attention to heavy music as well as punk music.
4: We grew up in a similar in the same scene so yes you mm-hmm. watch uh seeing he had the prophet um similar vibe with with bleach and remember incesticide too being really um just an important record to me in eastern
3: washington and so there was a lot of stuff that was going on over here like carp and stuff like that that was also super influential too that's like i guess that's those guys are probably like i feel like one of the most i don't know untouted sort of band that's bands that have influenced the most people in the pacific northwest Mm -hmm.
2: because
3: i i remember going to Carp shows and man that they're just like one of those bands that would completely like alter the way a room felt when they started playing it was just like they just grabbed everybody's attention and they were completely in control of what was happening the whole time and it was just like fun and heavy at the same time which is such a weird Hard to do, sort of balance, you know, without it
2: like turning into like clown music. Carp, not clown music. The king does not stand for clown.
1: No. I I I was just listening back to an old episode, and carp came up. Carp is like. It's like it's like cavity for the West Coast, like oh, yeah, or or, yeah. or floor, you know, like uh what's his name? Jared. Uh like he like I feel like there's a parallel between him and like Steve Brooks, just like yeah. that the similar approach. Did, did you guys ever hear? I remember we found out about uh this band that the guys in carp were associated with the whip. Oh, yeah. yeah, yep, they were great, they
4: were fucking phenomenal. Awesome.
3: Yeah. The reissue of the album was, just, was holy Fuck! Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joe Preston. I mean, thrown in the mix there—that's pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah, we were lucky enough; we got to see most of their Northwest shows. Like, I—we missed probably a couple just over the course of normal life, but yeah, dude, oh. the whip was so good.
1: <laughs> RIP the whip.
2: Yeah, yeah. A yeah. good half show.
1: So now, two of you were previously in Akimbo, um, which also didn't know about until I was uh, diving into the, into this, but like you did some pretty kick-ass shit. I mean, you played with the Melvins and Jell Biafra, the Aphra and uh, you know, also sort of with the, or, and you also played with Converge and obviously stalwarts of the, uh, the doom genre neurosis. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to call them like a doom band, like an experimental metal band, but they're right there in the periphery
4: of the genre.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Kimbo, well, we worked really hard and we got pretty lucky. We got to play with some awesome bands, work with some awesome labels on awesome um, adventures. Yeah, it was good.
4: Yep.
1: And, but that's <laughs> but but sorry, but that's why uh Sandrider exists now. It's sort of like it came out of
4: well, We started before Kimbo broke up. It was
1: Yeah, okay,
2: okay, okay. Yeah. Sandrider started as a release pressure valve of sort of the exhaustion that I was feeling from doing akimbo so hard. Akimbo was work. Like Nat and I worked (laughs) for that band and it was, I was hitting a point where it was starting to feel, I guess, like, personally I was starting to um, feel like I had expectations of a return from the work I was putting in. I was feeling like, you know, we should be making more money per show. Um, and there, you know, like I want to have the feeling that we're like building our audience base, and you know, it was kind of plateauing a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and I was just personally exhausted. Um, and I really wanted to get back to a place where I was just playing music just for fun, and I didn't have expectations. Um, and I also I played bass in Akimbo, um, and I'd been wanting to get back into guitar playing for a long time, so it seemed like a really good opportunity to just be like. You know, Nat and I have been playing together since we were freshmen in high school, and I think it just started as like, "Hey, Nat, you want to meet me at the practice space and just play some guitar just for fun? I just want to play guitar. You, you know, work on some riffs or something." And that Shout felt good. Out. And then we, we, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it was just like, let's just find a, a bass player and just do like a side project that's just zero expectations. It's just about getting together and making fun music with your friends. And that's kinda of how Soundwriter started. I mean, like we, we came both stopped when our guitar player had sort of like he he tapped out. He's like, I'm I'm done playing music for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then we had Sandwriter going. And at that point Jesse was already a member of the band and we were we had recorded our first EP, but we hadn't released it yet, but we we just had it. So it was just it was a really like sort sort of natural, like boring transition into like, okay, I guess we're doing Sandwriter. <laughs> um, it ended up being really, really good.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I'll say even though you uh, like departed from a, a punk band, what I noticed when I was listening to a Sand Rider was it felt fresh. Cause I mean, I listened to a, a lot of fucking, you know, Doom and Doom adjacent music and, mm-hmm. you know, it can get a little samezy here and there. But I got a, like a total like late 90s, early 2000s feel to this, which I don't think you hear a ton of anymore, sort of that. That sound, um, I feel like it's it. I mean, it's there in the music. Um, but there, when it first came out, it just felt really new and and different and like loose. But I, but I felt like by the time that you guys got to Armada, it felt like you owed a little bit more to like West Coast punk than hard rock and stoner metal. Like I was just getting total like West Coast punk punk rock vibes from it.
2: Yeah, I think I, I mean I feel like all of our music is just a representation of our influences, and it's just how it comes out as we look a song. So I would say that's an astute observation, my friend. Hats off to you, old fellow.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
2: I'll
1: wear that one with honor. <laughs>
2: yeah, but I mean, we like like all three of us. We love classic rock. We love '70s rock. We love punk. Mm-hmm. We love contemporary like doom stuff. Like. We love it all and and we just I don't know. I guess there's no like target for what the band's gonna sound like. We just sort of like, you know, love play some music. songs.
3: Yeah. Does yeah. it sound like music? Yes.
2: All right. yeah. <laughs> <the> next <laughs>
1: yeah. But all the but all three of the records, I mean, they all sound different. They sound like you. It, it it you can tell it's the three of you doing it, but it was cool to see how it went from hard rock, leaning in slightly, a bit more doom, and then there was like more like you said, more like the seventies rocks and psych, um, and and then just total punk riffs in in um, in Armada. Something else that was actually kind of funny when I was reading up about it or about you guys—you actually came up on uh, Wikipedia, and it has you uh, like listed as a grunge band, and I was surprised. I was like, damn, I actually. I, I, I actually, a band that uh, I've had on the podcast is on Wikipedia, which uh, impressed <laughs> me. Uh, and and uh, I mean, I think it was like, maybe like a sentence um, blurb in total. There wasn't a lot of band history there. Um, but I... i, I we still it was,
0: writing
2: it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's from the, the Monday Night Football
2: thing, isn't it? Oh, maybe. Because yeah. Yeah. they had a... Yeah. Grunge yeah, band. Uh-huh. we were on Monday Night Football by a total fluke. But, oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah.
4: Uh-huh. like the the music grunge band. Uh-huh.
2: Uh, it was it was it was like forty second footage of us playing live. They were
4: comparing <laughs>
3: the decibel level of it was, of, yeah. of a grunge band to the, the crowd at the Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> so they needed to come in and do some field like testing to see how loud we really were. Uh huh. Guess what? The fans were louder. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So
1: uh, I take it for that reaction that you uh, probably, I I mean, would you consider yourself a grunge band? Or is that just like, is, is grunge just, is it too specific or is it too broad?
3: I kind of don't even know what that is, honestly. Like, it's right. Like, I feel I, grunge was like sort of the term that people that didn't know anything about heavy music kind of attached to heavy music. Yeah, like, that if it wasn't obviously like metal or something. It was like
1: what pe- They it's like what metalheads did when they're like, I don't know what this is. Call it stoner metal.
3: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, know. <laughs> I think we're like I think of us as party rock.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just I've always called it loud rock. We play loud rock. Loud rock. To do it, yeah. but I, I i mean i don't take offense to grunge like people can call us grunge it's fine it is convenient i will say because we all have those like relationships with people who are not at all into underground music mm-hmm. and then when the subject of your band comes up and they want to know about it it's like it's kind of hard to describe what our band sounds like if they have no idea like who the melvins are who the hot snakes are who the jesus lizard is who back black flag is like you can't paint a picture for them so if you just kind of go yeah, we're we're kind of a grunge band, but not oh. but new. You know? <laughs> like it, uh, it's super helpful. <laughs> th-
3: that, that young man
1: that young man with all the problems from the nineties.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like that. So sad.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, like obviously, uh I'm I'm sure you got to know uh Fryberger through um, just being part of the Seattle scene and, and whatnot.
2: Yeah, it's hard not to know Fryburger.
1: That's what I'm starting to find out. <laughs> he's, he's got a very loud presence over there. I mean, right. I certainly didn't know who he was until uh, I talked to him.
2: Yeah, he's, he was also a big Akimbo fan, too. So we had some some mm-hmm. history with him there. He's just a buddy and a familiar face from the shows.
1: He's quite a character.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm stoked on what he's doing. It's pretty rad. It's, uh... it's
2: amazing.
1: Yeah. So, like, how did, how did that come about? Like, and and what are your plans to do with um, you know being on the label now?
3: Well, we were the label we were on prior. Good to die. Just sort of Nick decided he didn't want to do it anymore, and we were sort of at this crossroads where we didn't. We were still writing, wanting to put out rec- music, and didn't have a home for it. And so, it just sort of organically happened. I think that. Uh, he, Kreiberger, heard about our situation, and there were other bands that needed to, a label, and it seems like he just sort of put it together. I don't know. It's wizard wizard magic.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, like, when he first approached us about his project, I was a little skeptical. Like, he is like, he's pretty ambitious with this vision he's got for Satanic royalty. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, that sounds awesome, but good fucking luck. (laughs) But he fucking did it, man. He like, he put a bunch of funding together and like got it all organized. And um, the more I've gotten to know him, the more like on top of this shit I've seen, that he is and like he's like it's like cracks the whip on us to like get yeah, art assets yeah, right. and shit ready together <laughs> and i'm like oh okay like he's gonna pull this off i think it's it's really cool so it's pretty exciting to be um but it's, it's, obviously it's like flattering to have anyone say like hey i give a fuck about your band to put a bunch of work and money into it um so that's that's always awesome and it's just super exciting to see what he's been able to do so far and and to be included in that is really cool
1: right on i mean i i saw it i I thought it was rad, and uh, I, I had a feeling that he would be able to pull it off, because uh, he just kind of seems like that kind of person, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah. He's
4: very motivated and organized. He got mugs today. I mean, he's got everything. He got
3: <laughs> wow. I, I want a mug. They
2: look
4: cool. <laughs> I did
1: see that. And he's got skateboards and all kinds of crazy shit.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then I'll, I'll also say, too, this um, he's been a uh, there's a, there's a part of working with a label where um, you have to just talk business. Like, it's just mm-hmm. a necessity of having a relationship with a label. A lot of money going into a, putting out a record and a lot of creative effort at the same time. And there can be friction there. That can be tough for artists to mm-hmm. work. Um, you know, if you're not comfortable talking business and, like, really being comfortable, like... Like, okay, we're going to talk about thousands of dollars now and what, (laughs) how that might play out in various scenarios. And and he's been super cool in that, in that regard too. Like, some people are really hard to talk to about business stuff. So
1: I wouldn't know because I haven't really dealt with it. But um, I mean, if it's like just deal, if it's, if it's anything like dealing with clients and dealing with money, (laughs) I can't imagine again, it can always be that fun because I do know what that's like.
2: Yeah, it's 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 even a little bit different than that because you know your friend you you build a relationship with a person Mm -hmm. over a long time and if there's an argument about money after a couple of years, it can be really hard, really brutal, you know. So
4: So just have
2: to be transparent and honest and
4: yeah.
2: Freiburger, good person. (laughs) Good person.
1: you been listening to anything uh, cool lately? Anything you uh, yeah. comes to mind? You want to shout out?
2: I am obsessed with this band from France called Slift. Their latest record. Oh yeah, out. they're good.
1: I like yeah, them a lot.
2: The record they put out last year, Uman or Uman? Yeah. I don't know how they. I don't really know how good. they prefer. I pronounce it, but um, I I caught wind of that just a couple months ago, and I'm obsessed with it. I can't stop listening to it. So it's yeah, really good. Out. Yeah.
3: I keep just going backwards.
2: <laughs> slowly walking back
4: <laughs> man how far um, back man
3: i listen to so much like heavy music at work cuz i work in a tattoo shop that when i'm at home i tend to listen to more like like psych and kind of like more acid rock and that kind of stuff um but uh i've been getting really into this morgan delt record lately that's it's like sort of I don't know, you call it like California psych? I don't know, it's weird. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to pin down what it is, but it's trippy and I like it. <laughs> I like tri- I like trippy stuff.
2: I've also been listening to a lot of zombie through a bizarre chain of events. Relapse Records sent me the entire zombie catalog. <laughs> and so I've been like going through it and like re-listening to a bunch of their old records over and over again. And that's been very cool. <laughs>
1: That band rules. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I remember I found out about them in college. I was just like, "This band is really cool," and I'm never gonna hear about this band ever again. And I'm like, "Wow, they've just been consistently putting out stuff for years." And they're—I think they're based out of Brooklyn, right?
2: I don't know. I wouldn't know.
1: <laughs> I remember. I know.
2: Call up the old internet. Hello. <laughs> Operate. I have a question. <laughs> Patch Me Through?
1: Uh, maybe. I don't know. One of the guys is from New York. Yeah. Steve Moore. But yeah, that band Moore. is really cool. I dig them a lot. I was really happy to see that they were still around after I uh, forgot and then rediscovered them. Yeah, they kick ass.
2: Yeah, their new EP that just came oh. out recently is really good.
1: Yeah, I always... Really uh, for some reason, I get them and um, Pinkish Black confused, and they're not really the same, but I mean, Pinkish Black kicks ass too. I love Pinkish mm-hmm. Black. Yeah, that's, they're great. They're such a cool band. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I just I just found out about a, a, a cool band that I, I think they're from Seattle. They're called Regional Justice Center. Um, oh, yeah. Like, a
1: friend of mine, super, he was just like, oh, you should check this out. I don't know if you're yeah. going to like it. I'm like, all right. I, ha- I still haven't checked it out, but that's yeah. two votes for them.
2: Super brutal power violence. Really hard hitting. Good great.
1: shit. I will definitely check it out now.
2: Yeah. It um, right now <laughs> <Stop> the <show>. <laughs> <laughs> Call them up We're going to interview them
1: <laughs> <laughs> It would be the first power violence show On a Doom uh, doom podcast Are you guys working on anything right now?
2: Yeah We have been writing during the lockdown And Are almost all the way Vaccinated, very close to being all the way Vaccinated And yeah, we should um, You know should be booking a studio pretty soon here.
1: So we'll be getting a follow-up to Armada.
2: That's the plan. I mean, like, what else are we going to do? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to break up. It's too much fun. (laughs) We're just going to keep, keep doing records.
1: (laughs) Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the total vibe I got listening to. I was like, these guys seem like they're having a really good time doing this. Um, And it's like, it just didn't feel pretentious. That, That was, I think maybe that's, this way. It just there's like going through, I'm like, you know, sometimes the shit can get a little bit, uh, a little bit, <laughs> if you will. And uh but I that this just felt nice. Like I didn't have to I could like just kind of have let my guard down at the same time. It's a great musicianship. And taking there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: well that's great. I'm looking forward to new uh, Sand
2: Rider in the future. It's going to be slow. We move slow. It's going to take us a long time. <laughs> we had we had a Mar- Armada uh, recorded, I think, for a year before it actually came out. And the the first EP we had recorded and finished multiple years, I think, two years before it came out. We we're just like, I think I Matt know. Bayless. Uh, Matt Bayless was wasted one night at one of our shows, <laughs> and he was just like, "Hey, I got." some time in my studio. When I come to my studio, I'll record you guys and get a real real good deal. Um, <laughs> and we're like, yeah, Matt Bayless, we'll go record with you at your studio, Matt Bayless. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then we finished it and we just sat on it. And it wasn't until Nick started Good to Die Records and he was like, do you guys actually want to put that out? We were like, we oh.
4: As, it was a demo. Okay. We weren't even supposed to release that. Yeah. It was supposed to be for fun, you know.
1: I love that he just got that opportunity because he was shit-faced.
2: I mean, we, we could have approached him, too, to be fair. But that's just you how really it went.
4: Down. That Bale's impression, too. It was great.
2: That's, he did not sound like that or talk like that at all. <laughs> I was just being a hand. <laughs> 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 Matt, if you're uh, listening, I love you. And don't fuck up our next record, please.
3: <laughs> Revenge me. <mix. laughs> next time he sees you, be like,
1: hey, Sighs man. Down, <laughs>
0: uh, hey, man,
1: man. I'm paying pay you a bunch of money not to come to my fucking studio. I'll cut you there a great you deal on it. <laughs> <And> auto-tuned.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll just release it, and it's just a bunch of, like, cats.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> I swear I can hear cats during this one part. I don't know why.
1: You replace the wah-wah with a cat.
0: <laughs>
1: well, I, I don't really have too many other questions. Um, so if you guys want to plug yourselves where people can find you, where they can get your music.
2: Uh, sandwriter.bandcamp.com. We're on like Twitter and Instagram too, but not very active. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Only when it's important.
2: Yeah, yeah. We kind of just like go to practice and play shows, and don't really do all that other nonsense that some people are really good at doing. Oh, we got a dog. Yep. Yes. <gasps> Jesse, you get getting a dog.
3: Uh, I have two, probably two new dogs since you've seen them.
2: Oh my god. Yeah. Who's this?
3: This is Willow.
2: Willow. Let's
3: see here, that's Willow. And this is Clover.
2: Oh Willow. man. Uh,
3: uh. <laughs>
1: So cute, <laughs> so adorable, so adorable, so frightened.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> they just want food or something. Are they both? Are they both um, puggles? One, the black one is the mom, and she's full pug. The daughter Willow's uh, Pekinese pug chihuahua mix. So she's kind of a weird. <laughs> just all <laughs> kinds of small creatures mushed into one. She's mostly pug though. She definitely goes leans towards pug. She just kind of has a, a longer snout like a chihuahua.
1: You know, as she can I'm breathe,
3: sure with the, what's being expressed in her. <laughs> <laughs> you should get totally
1: get them to be like your mascots.
3: Oh, they're down. They're, yeah. they're down. They're all. They're down for the cause.
1: You should try to long, sit on the. As
3: long as there's a comfortable the place to yeah, sit, that's, that's the prerequisite. <laughs> Good luck getting them to stay there. Yeah, they've got they've got a rider, and it requires a, a comfy spot to sit.
2: We should get them little um. Like earplug earmuffs for when we play that look like the horns from the Devil Dogs and Ghostbusters.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have tried to dress them up and stuff so many times, and they just will not tolerate it. Like they just—I don't know. I think it's like their short snouts. Like you can't like attach anything to their heads. They just yeah, like, <laughs> and it just like comes off. It's like their superpower. It's crazy. Super, now, super glue. Yeah, we've got well, yeah some gorilla glue. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, the pup.
1: All right. Well, the pup's got to eat, so we'll we'll, eat. We'll, uh,
2: um, we'll let you go take care of that. Can um, I do. One, oh yeah. Go do, ahead. I want to do one quick plug for the the people who may be podcast fans, since you're listening to a podcast. I also do a podcast. It's called Tomorrow We Die. It's me and my friend Jeff interviewing underground musicians about all the horrible shit that they go through on tour. Jesse's been on it. Nat's been on it. Told a bunch of Akimbo stories. We've had Cody from Melvin's a big business on, dude, all all sorts of awesome people and musicians and great stories from just all the the shit that people don't see mm. when a touring band comes through. They see that band for you know 30 minutes on stage. And like there were 23 and a half other hours of that day where that band was going through probably something awful to get there stage. <laughs> So that's our show. It's good times. Tomorrow we die. Oh, I'm
1: definitely gonna check that out. Yeah note of that good shit easy to find
2: mm-hmm.
1: all righty you yep. can find it on some sketchy podcast
2: uh no, it's, site it's, it's there it's, yeah if you just look for it you'll find it
1: <laughs> all right
2: awesome well thank yeah, you yeah. guys thank you thanks for having us you gotta put in your credit card and your social security number <laughs> yeah, <laughs> up, yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> your birthday. yeah right. your um, vaccination then, card yeah and then i'll send you a download by career pigeon <laughs>
1: a courier donkey (laughs) what's this a a monkey flew into my apartment he threw this and he threw a 5g chip at me
2: Uh it's a fucking possum at the door it won't leave
1: (laughs) i can't tell if he's dead or not (laughs) well thanks guys i I appreciate it and congrats on getting on the satanic royalty and looking forward to what you do in the future no matter how slow it takes
2: (laughs) yeah eventually much
1: it'll happen Alrighty. Well, you take right. care, guys, and no, that'll too. do it for this chapter of the diary.
2: to keep a lot of snacks close just in case i need a snack i'm gonna keep (laughs) keep those carbs pumping yeah (laughs) actually this is actually where i do all my podcast stuff (laughs) in my closet (laughs)